1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: You know, Psalm 119, 105 says, The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when we don't know what to do, that's when we search the Scriptures and God will show us the path we should take in His Word. In His Word. This is what it looks like to be a doer of the Word. This is what it looks like to just take the Word at face value and apply it to your life.
1: We are faced with difficult decision-making situations all the time. There isn't a day that goes by where we don't have to make a decision. Whether simple or life-changing, we have choices. In today's message, Pastor Dan will reassure you that you are not alone while finding these answers. Not even one of these situations do you have to rely on your own strength and wisdom to come to a conclusion. You can go to the Scriptures and the Lord, and He will give you the answers and wisdom you need. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Fear of God gave the Hebrew midwives the courage to disobey human authority and this immoral decree. And by the way, this is why totalitarian governments want their people to be atheists and want the society to be secular. And why totalitarian governments fight against a belief in God and try to remove it from society because God is a higher authority. And is a threat to their authority. They want the society to be atheistic. Because they don't want the people to believe. There is a higher authority. Than the government. Then the people will do. What the government tells them to do. Because then the government is the highest. Authority. This by the way is the danger of removing God. From our society. Because you're removing the highest authority. And then. The government becomes the highest authority in society. And the fear of God gives us courage to stand up for what is right, the courage to stand against evil, to stand against wrong. Proverbs 8 says those who fear the Lord hate evil. The fear of God causes a person to hate evil when they see it. And, and this, these women refuse to obey this evil decree, and they're saving babies' lives. They're saving babies' lives. They saved the male children alive. Look at verse 18. So the king of Egypt called the midwives back and said to them, why have you done this thing? And saved the male children alive. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. (laughs) Now, are the midwives lying here? Or are they telling the truth about the Hebrew women? I I don't know. There's a lot of people that read that and get all in knots. Oh, they're lying. They're lying to an evil leader who's trying to kill babies. (laughs) Did the midwives, so that they could... uh, say that they obeyed this decree? Did the midwives intentionally take a really, really, really long time to get to the Hebrew women who were in labor so the baby would be born before they arrived? Hey, by the time we got there, it took us a couple days to get there, but by the time we got there, I don't know. But these midwives demonstrated tremendous courage to stand before the Pharaoh and disobey his command. Would to God that we would have that kind of courage. Now look what it says in verse 20. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. You can stop right there. How often, uh, if we're faced with, you know, obeying God rather than man, how often do we immediately go to, well, if I disobey, I might get in trouble. Or if I disobey, I might lose my job. Or if I disobey, I might get canceled. Well, how about if you, if you disobey, it might go well with you? The worst doesn't always happen. Sometimes, sometimes the best happens because we disobey an evil command or take a stand for God. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. And look what it says. And the people multiplied and grew very mightily. God's word to Abraham, God's promise to Abraham that he will make of them a great nation continues to be fulfilled in spite of all that was being done to prevent its fulfillment. Nothing can stop God's word from coming to pass. Look at verse 21. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Now, in the ancient world, midwives were usually women who were unable to have children. And God blessed these midwives by providing households for them. That doesn't mean God gave them houses like a second home in the mountains and a condo at the beach. It means God blessed them with children of their own because of their obedience and the refusal to obey this evil command. Now watch what happens. Verse 22. And so Pharaoh commanded all his people, underline that, all his people, saying, every son who is born, you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now Pharaoh commands all his people, all the Egyptian people, to take the sons born to the Israelites and cast them into the Nile river now ordinary people ordinary citizens just like you and just like me are empowered and commanded by the government to kill the sons of the israelites so you've got ordinary citizens now carrying out a genocide against their neighbors this is like what happened in rwanda in the 1990s, where you had neighbors slaughtering neighbors, you've got one part of the citizenry given power to kill another part. This is where this goes in this country, in Egypt. Imagine if you're an Israelite couple and you're expecting a child. There's no ultrasounds at that time. You found out the gender of your baby when the child was born, and to hear the words, it's a boy would strike fear and dread instead of joy and pride. The Egyptian people see the Israelites as a threat to their nation, and now the people, the, the citizens, have been given license to kill by the king. And this is what's going on in the nation for 400 years. This is how it's going down. Now look at chapter 2, verse 1. We're not going to go through all of chapter 2, but look at chapter 2, verse 1. In the midst of this, a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. And so the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him. Three months. And now we have the birth of Moses here. We learn in chapter six, his parents are named Amram and Jacobed. And please note for me, especially you young single people, please note that even though it was an absolutely horrible time, this couple still got married and they still had children. And sometimes you hear people say today, especially young people, that this world is so messed up. I don't want to bring a child into this messed up world. God commands us to be fruitful and multiply. He doesn't say be fruitful and multiply only if things are going really, really well in the world. Be fruitful and multiply. Get married. Have children. No matter how bad the world may seem to you. If Amram and Jacobed thought that way, that we can't bring a child into this world, there would be no Moses born. To deliver the children of Israel out of their horrible situation. They would just stay in that situation. And you don't know, young people, you don't know. You could give birth to someone that God will use mightily in his generation. You may also give birth to the Antichrist, but we'll hope for the best, right? (laughs) But somebody's got to give birth to the Antichrist. (laughs) All right, rein it in, rein it in, come on. So it says she saw that the child was beautiful and she hides him. She hides him for three months. Because your Egyptian neighbor could kill that baby. Your Egyptian neighbor could snatch that baby from you and cast it into the Nile. And so she hides the baby for three months. Now turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 23, Hebrews 11, of course, is the hall of faith. Hebrews eleven twenty three by faith, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. And that's something. They were not afraid of the king's commands. And, and Moses' parents hid him, not by fear, but by faith. Trusting God. God, you have a plan. You have a way out of this terrible situation. God, I know you value my baby's life. I know you want my baby to live. And so he, they hid the baby by faith, knowing that God's going to work this out somehow. anywhere so download the app right now search for calvary chapel ellicott city in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com
1: what a great way to stay connected to scripture now back to today's message on ring of truth
2: they couldn't hide the baby forever so verse three going back to exodus chapter two verse three but when she could no longer hide him She took an ark of bulrushes from him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister, the baby's sister, this would be Miriam, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Now, where in the world did Moses' mother get the idea of building an ark to preserve the baby's life? From the story of Noah. That she, no doubt, had heard and knew that story very well. God saved Noah and his family with an ark. Maybe God can save my baby with an ark. You know, Psalm one nineteen one o five says, The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when we don't know what to do, that's when we search the Scriptures and God will show us the path we should take in his word. In his word. This is what it looks like to be a doer of the word. This is what it looks like to just take the word at face value and apply it to your life. Well, it says in the Bible that Noah built an ark and he was saved I guess I could build an ark. This is what it looks like. This is this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, I talk to so many people where they've, they've got like this super just messed up way of looking at the scriptures and they're trying to get it like, what's the super deep, you know, philosophical, theological, blah, blah, blah. Just what does it say? And how can you do that? How can you live that out? And so that's what she does. She she makes this ark. She covers it with pitch to waterproof it, just like Noah did. And she put the child in it. And she put a lid on it, we're told later. And then she laid the ark and the reeds by the river's bank. She she didn't launch the ark out into the waters of the Nile River. But she placed it in the reeds right there by the shore so that it it wouldn't float away. All of this is intentional. The location seems to be intentional, as we'll see in a moment. Now, let me just say, though, if you're taking notes and if you're a Bible nerd. There's some words used here in verse three that are actually Egyptian words and not Hebrew words. They are known as loan words taken from Egyptian. The word Ark is Egyptian. It's not Hebrew, as well as the word translated bullrushes, and pitch, and reeds. And the word for river is a transliteration of the Egyptian word for the Nile River. Even Moses' name, down in verse 10, look down at verse 10. The daughter of Pharaoh names him Moses. Moses is an Egyptian name. It's not a Hebrew name. We don't know what his Hebrew name is. Most scholars believe his Hebrew name was Jerry. Believe it or not. No? But no, Moses, listen, listen to me. Moses is an Egyptian name, and it was actually a common root uh, name for many of the pharaohs. It was used by the royal family in Egypt so that you have pharaohs with names like Amen, Amonmose, Thutmose, Ah ta Ramos. ra The root word, the root name is Moses. Now, these words are all borrowed from the Egyptian language, and that testifies to the authenticity of the book of Exodus. Again, you have liberal scholars who say, it's written hundreds of years after the time of Moses. It would be really, really hard to embed these Egyptian words into the text unless you know those Egyptian words and you're familiar with those Egyptian names because you lived in Egypt because you're Moses, right? Now, verse 4, his sister stood afar off. Again, we learn later her name is Miriam to know what would be done. And then verse 5, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river at that spot. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. The baby began to cry. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. So she happened to place the baby in the ark at the location on the Nile River where Pharaoh's daughter, would bathe, seems to be intentional. No doubt the Lord is leading her in this. Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby. She recognized that it was a Hebrew baby. Who else would leave their baby in a river except a Hebrew? Plus the baby was circumcised. And Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on the baby. She wasn't evil like her father. He wanted to just destroy all the Hebrew babies. She was compassionate. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Notice the bravery of Miriam here. She's speaking to the daughter of the king, the king who hates the Hebrews. And she doesn't even say like your majesty or anything like that, a typical kid, right? Do you want me to just go get a, a nurse from the Hebrews? And watch what happens. Verse seven. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from, your, from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And so the maiden went and called the child's mother. Huh, isn't that cool how that works? Then Pharaoh's daughter say, said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. Moses' parents acted in faith, and God honored their faith, and now they get to keep their baby, and they get paid by Pharaoh's daughter to care for their own child. How amazing is that? God can work any situation for good, can he? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Now, in those days, a child was nursed for anywhere from three to five years. And so this child lives with his parents at his home for three to five years. And don't you know, for those years, Moses' mom taught Moses every Bible story she knew, every hymn, every worship song she could think of. She poured all that she could into that child for those years that she had him. And what a privilege it is for us as parents to pour as much Jesus and as much Bible into our children for the short time that we have them in our home and to equip them for whatever life might throw at them with the word of God. And so the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and so she called his name Moses because I drew him out of the water. Moses became the son of Pharaoh's daughter, it says in verse 10, meaning she adopted him as her own son. Moses became part of the royal family. Uh, The historian Josephus says that there were no male heirs in Pharaoh's family, and so Moses became the next in line for the throne of Egypt. It's possible that Moses's parents continued to have a relationship with Moses even after he went to live with Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's palace. Acts chapter 7 verse 22 says Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in both speech and action. Moses became part of the royal family and he was raised and educated and lived in the palace of the Pharaoh. And without even knowing it, Pharaoh provided for and lodged the very man who accomplished the very thing Pharaoh was trying to prevent. Moses will lead the Israelites out of their slavery and out of Egypt. And Pharaoh is educating him and feeding him and giving them a place to live for 40 years. You In know, Job chapter 5, verse 13, it says, God traps the wise in their own cleverness. In Psalm 7, verse 16, it says, The trouble the wicked makes for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. And that's what's going to happen to Pharaoh. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together in your word. We thank you for this wonderful book of redemption. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to redeem us through your death and resurrection, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we go, that we would go just thinking on your word and thinking on you and the redemption that we have in you, Lord. I pray that we would go walking in the spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Did you know that Ring of Truth is a listener-supported ministry aimed to bring you God's Word wherever you're at? Whether you're at home or on the road, we're here to help you grow in your faith. You love to stay connected through social media? Find us on Facebook. Listen to us on iTunes and our podcast. There are numerous other ways to stay up to date with what's happening at Ring of Truth. All you have to do is go to CalvaryEC.com to get started. Our mission and vision and what we believe can be found on our website as well. In case you didn't catch that website, it's CalvaryEC.com. Ring of Truth is a radio ministry that comes to you from Columbia, Maryland. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.30 a.m., For those of you who aren't morning people, we also have a Sunday afternoon service at 1230 p.m. Or you're welcome to come Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Take your pick, but please come if you're in the area. Did you know that live stream is available for those unable to attend in person? For all of our long distance listeners, we hope you'll utilize this tool to stay connected. Pastor Dan has been teaching from the book of Exodus, and he's not done yet. Be sure to come back again as he continues pulling nuggets from this Old Testament book. Thanks for staying tuned in today to Ring of Truth. I see
3: the signs and I recognize